It's also an art form to feel your lover. It's an art form how you express your beauty. Devotion is also, I can see the divinity, the goodness in the other person, no matter what. We are not doing it to save anything or anybody. We're doing it out of love. The energy to create a child is the same energy that can be used to co-create a new paradigm. There is life all around me. This is life force. This is making love with the moment. I'm going to admit something I should not be saying, but I'm going to say it right now. I didn't admit this to you. I'm actually... Uh... Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> no one that's normal and sane would ever give me a platform. So you know what I have to do? I have to create my own platform, right? What's up, everyone? Welcome to Nowhere Nomads, episode number two. Yes, that's it. I'm still here. I hope you enjoyed the last episode with Robin, former economic hitman, friend of the Rockefellers. I'm still here, so I guess they haven't heard of it yet. Okay, so this episode, we're going to be delving into it with Tia. Yes, T-H-E-A is pronounced Tia. This whole time, I was pronouncing her name wrong, Thea, and she just corrected me. I don't know if it's because she's just so nice or I'm just that much of an idiot. But anyway, Tia was a big inspiration for this. You look at the words co-create, you look at alchemize, all these different concepts. Those came from her, from all her sessions on Sense Making 101 and all her talks. This project, this Noetic Nomads project, this is really a co-creation between myself, her, Robin, everyone that I encountered in Rebel Wisdom, the Stoa, Game B community, biohacking community, everyone. In this episode, you'll get to see what it was that inspired all this stuff. And this co-creation, this is what I wanted to do with Noetic Nomads at a community. At first, it was just like, hey, I'm just gonna start a YouTube channel. Then it was just like, oh, I can do a podcast and a website. Tia was like, but then you could add all this other stuff to the website. And I was like, all right, sure. And now we have the Noetic Nomads community and noeticnomads.org. You could go there, you could submit your articles, you could submit your events, start your own group. I mean, we have new features coming in all the time. I'd love to hear your feedback, your ideas. Come on over. Everything's free. No algorithms except whatever is whirring around up here. No ads, no nothing. It's all for you. Tia dropped some real bombs on this episode. She was initiated into the tantric tradition in India in her early 20s. She's the real deal. She's been doing this for a long time. Whatever we think of as tantra in the West, that is not at all what it is. We go into what it really means to practice tantra, to do the breath work, to really co-create with your partner. And the 24 seven orgasm thing doesn't hurt either. I started the breath work with her last week and I've been practicing every day. No Kundalini explosions yet, but already I feel an opening, an emptying, a groundedness. All things I need work on. Be on the lookout at Noetic Nomads. This won't be the last time you hear from Thea. Her gifts need to be shared with the world and I wanna make sure that everyone's chakras are open the <laughs> up. I also make a bit of a crazy confession on this episode. If you thought I was weird before, sorry, you don't know the half. You can watch the episode on YouTube or if you're on the go or you don't wanna see my ugly face, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Search for Nobetic Nomads and give us five stars so I can keep embarrassing myself every week. All right, let's do this. See you soon. Recording. Welcome everyone to another brand spanking new episode of Noetic Nomads. I'm Albert Kim, your host that most definitely be doing the most. 
And with me today is someone who was a big inspiration for my starting this project. Uh, she's a lifelong world traveler, a holistic personal chef steeped in world cuisine, such as that of Morocco, France, India, Thailand, and Italy, a spiritual seeker versed in Ayurveda and Tantra, a pediatric nurse, breathwork therapist, multi-hyphenate and manifestation of the divine feminine, just to name a few things. Nomads, please put your hands together wherever you are to help me introduce the one, the only, Thea Dixon. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, Alva, thank you for having me. This is such, such an amazing lesson. You are my inspiration. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I mean, you're an inspiration. I mean, you heard what I just read right there, right? I mean, like, please. I mean, please. You're a huge inspiration. Uh, thank you so much. And um, so please, in your own words, can you let these lovely people know how you came to know this weird Korean guy over here? Okay, well, we were just uh, connected through Rebel Wisdom, and uh, we did this incredible course that really opened for me my awareness to even more newness and more uh, things that I've never heard before. And so we met and they put us into some kind of group and I was on the east, I was on the west coast and you were on the east coast yeah. and I thought I was in the wrong group. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, get me out of here. Get me out. <laughs> Exactly. What am I doing with these, you know, it's the wrong, wrong time zone. I have to get up early, which I did on Saturday yeah. morning. At I six. know, I could tell, yeah. Um, it was just, and it was just a delight being with the two of you. And I just felt like the spark uh, from you the moment we just got together. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, yeah, same here, same here. It was amazing. And so what exactly was it that attracted you to rebelism in the first place? Um, I really feel like, you know, we are at this, of course, most um, magic time, unprecedented but magic time in history, mm. which I say this and some people might be shocked, but that's okay. Like, you know, I feel like I'm waiting for this for a very long time and it makes mm. me almost a little tearful. And I go into that a little later because I had some interesting experiences growing up in Germany in my, as a teenager that I just felt like there was something else that something else that I wanted to happen. I wanted to experience and I also wanted to contribute as a teenager. And it also made me sometimes a little bit, um, you know, doomed kind of because I felt there was something inside me um, really wanting to come out. And of course I had no idea what that was, but um, so, and this was rebel wisdom. It was for me like the next step, in from an evolutionary point of view from a um, human potential point of view that i said yes i'm i signed up the night before by accident my friend gave yeah. me her ticket because she couldn't participate so i'm like yay you know this is meant to be i didn't really know what was happening i only knew in myself like i just want to be there so that's probably yeah, I mean, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about when you're being like, I was preparing for this moment. Like, I'm not joking when I say like literally like 15, 15 years ago, I was like, I'm preparing for the apocalypse. Like I was physically, mentally, and spiritually training literally for this moment right here. Like, you know, like the reason why I lift weights is like, yo, I gotta, I gotta protect myself. I gotta protect everyone around me. I gotta be fit for this. And so I understand totally what you're talking about. And like, what you stated right there, because um, I remember you talking about like in, in the Sense Making 101 that like you knew since I believe you were 16, you said since you were a teenager that 
the world was wrong. And like, I, like, like I said, like I relate, and I'm sure that many, if not most, if not all of our audience is, relates that there's something wrong. That's why they're attracted to this kind of like uh, uh, material, this kind of content. So what was it about the world around you that troubled you so deeply? Yeah, I like, I like the word troubled, you know, because mm. if you look at it from an evolutionary point of view and also non-dualistic, I like to mm. be as, you know, integral as possible it's like i just there was something that was actually hurting inside of me starting with recycle you know i started to become a recycle freak at 14 because i was aware what we are doing to the mother to the earth how we are basically polluting the planet. I was very aware, uh, again, growing up in Germany and the news are there very different at a young age of under 10, I was aware that there was poverty and children dying of hunger and children haven't been eating. I was aware of that at a very young age. And I just felt like, I want to do something about this. This isn't right, you know? And then it feels like living in the first world. It just feels almost like I had a bit of a bad conscience, you know, that I felt like, okay, and I understood. So we living like this, and this is a very short percentage. We exploiting those countries and those countries don't eat. They have no houses, right? So... I think I, I became, you know, obviously as a 10-year-old, you process this in a different way. But I guess it saddened me and even to the point that it actually hurt, if that makes sense, you know, that to see children of hunger, you know, at that age, you just wonder, why is my dad not doing anything about it? Why is nobody doing anything about that? That were my question at that age, no? Yeah, I mean, like... And um, you stated that where you were growing up, you, you know, you saw all this and you became aware of all this. Um, can you inform the audience about uh, where you grew up and how specifically did that impact the choices that you made in your life and your career? Mm -hmm. So I grew up in the near the old capital of Germany, which is Bonn. Mm -hmm. And um, I had um, a lot of more, I want to say, already multicultural background in growing up that I was aware of different cultures and I was always interested in that. And I traveled from a young age as well. And um, I got informed. Um, I, was my, I really was interested in geology. And so my dad oh. talked to me about geology and, you know, and things like that. It was kind of his favorite thing. And he would always get the, 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 the world map up and showed me where different countries were, you know? So I was kind of aware of that. And I think those experiences, um, I had, I, it was almost like it created a hunger for change in me, you know, like that I felt like I want to do something about it. And it felt almost like I didn't doubt in my mind that that was possible. And I doubted, you know, my, maybe even my parents, or I doubted society that it had to be this way. I just felt like it can't, I, I just didn't want to settle for it to be this way. Mm. So then, you know, when I was 16, we talk about rebel wisdom, I definitely was a rebel. I shook up my parents' paradigm or their belief systems, and I was very um, 
very vocal about that and I chose um, to go to different schools at a young age. Uh, I mm. chose to go to a, a more further away school at the age of 11 where I had to take train for 20 minutes and had to walk for 20 minutes mm. to get to the school at the age of 11 just because I wanted to be closer to the big city. And uh, that also exposed me to a different, you know, different people, very different than the village that I grew up to. And, um, and I just feel like if you're asking me that, I always felt inside of me, I, I just knew what, there was something, it was possible. I just knew it was possible. And, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, actually, now this all these puzzle pieces start to make sense because you talk about how like you went to like geology and your dad would bring out the map. And this started your whole life path of just going all over, you know, like, you know, going all over and like uh, traveling the world. And like, um, so from what I read, like you read, uh, you left for India in your 20s. So I'm curious, like, why India? What was it about India? That inspired you so much? India popped up for me when I was 17 because, in fact, my parents traveled to India oh. and uh, they brought back these tankas, you know, the Tibetan tankas, which probably most people know, but they're like these mandalas painted on, on sometimes silk or behind silk. And they're literally meditations. They might take months for monks to paint. And you look in this mandala and it literally feels like everything opens up. Right. So my parents brought this back as art but for me I would sit in front of them and I'm like whoa I mean something was like inspiring me mm. opening me I think opening and um, just feeling they opened up a whole new world and so I'm like I need to go there um, and maybe I should bring this in here since you mentioned earlier Tantra so yes. the word Tantra is almost like I, I personally use it just because I haven't found a better word, but it's what we understand here in Tantra in the West is nothing about when I use the word Tantra and what it really means from the ancient traditions. But what happened for me is that I was realizing in Germany, it was all very liberal, very progressive. And um, my girlfriends, they all had intimate relationships. And I'm like, and just hearing about it and just experiencing it. I want to say more on an energetic level. I felt like, again, there is so much more. I'm not mm. interested in this. I'm like, and uh, having actually been in um, schools where there were nuns, I'm like, oh, maybe I have oh, to wow. become a nun because this <laughs> is just not, this is not what I wanted to do. You know, it's like, I can go, could go more in detail, but I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so again, I just knew there must be something else. So I just wanted to go to India just from a pure energetic sense of seeing art, of going into museums and seeing art. And then I had the chance at 25 and I literally walked in from intensive care into a three week Vipassana retreat uh, oh, wow. in Bodhgaya in India. And I just... I was just like, I'm home, I'm home, I'm finally home. It just felt like after 25 years, I was home. And I was going for five weeks and going back to Germany to work. And I decided I'm not going anywhere. And I quit my job and stayed for six months, studied Ayurveda, studied Tantra, mm -hmm. got initiated in the more like traditional way, especially so Ayurvedic practices. And so, yeah, so that just got me started. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I definitely, that's definitely one of the things I want to talk to you about Tantra. And obviously, like, like you said, a lot of people in the West, they think about Tantra, they think about like some funky, weird, funky sex stuff, right? And that's what I thought at first. And then I yeah, actually, oh, it's like, yeah, yeah. And then like, I actually like did some research and I was like, oh, wait, Tantra is like, like, I can't explain, but it's like the basis of like stuff like, uh, like Zen Buddhism and like even Taoism. And it's just like, it's like super ancient and it's just like, like the basis of so many things. So, I mean, okay. So, I mean, so, and the way that, uh, I actually, what I found is you did a course, uh, about the, uh, the, the embodied art of Tantra and awakening your bliss body. Your tagline was, it was sexuality in Western culture offers us very little of what is possible from what is known and practiced in Eastern traditions for thousands of years. And then what your course highlighted, this is very interesting, how Eros relates to conscious evolution and the creation of a new paradigm. So I'd love to hear more on what you mean by this. Uh, but, uh, so please, can you start by telling us what uh, your definition of Tantra is? Um, my definition of Tantra is when, you, when we talk about, let's go to the bliss body, right? What we, mm. think, of, what we think of bliss, right? Uh, so I'm just getting a little explicit here. The bliss is like uh, 30 seconds of some kind of almost outer body experience, right? And then you're just waking up and you're like, okay, then, you know, and then you want it again and you're chasing something that you feel you can't actually maintain, that you also feel a little bit out of control. And to call 30 seconds bliss is kind of a little short lift, mm -hmm. right? So that, that's number one. Number two, the, the, the art of Tantra, first of all, it's, a, it's an art form. It's also an art form to feel your lover, it's an art form how you express your beauty as a woman or as a man and really being in there for the other person and how evolution, uh, I like it, you know, the sentence instead of at this point in time to really question, do we want to procreate or do we want to co-create? And the energy to create a child is the same energy that can be used to co-create a new paradigm and consciously wow. participating our consciousness. And that means if I open my bliss body, which is the, um, the energetic body, which is basically the chakra system, I'm opening that up and bringing all that life force instead of just to the second chakra, which is where we create a child, um, a new being. We're creating that past that point through the heart all the way up. And that way we also connecting with the cosmic energy, which some mm -hmm. of you, I'm just, just going out here, even are aware of the toroidal field. So we actually becoming part with this energy. We activating the pineal gland with mm -hmm. the active life force, which is Eros. That's what Eros means. It's the evolutionary impulse. It's uh, Barbara Max Hubbard created this words, the evolutionary impact. For me, it's like that life force that makes me get, wake up in the morning. I'm sitting here on a Minnesota lake and there is life all around me. This is life force. This is making love with the moment, right? But it's using that making love into a new paradigm and becoming aware what amazing 
possibility this body actually has inside internally where our pineal gland is called that this is the gland that actually has the ability where we downloading and receiving information in co-creation with the cosmos wow so much there yeah um like yeah um, uh what's a descartes he talked about he he posited that he thought the the pineal gland was like the interface between the brain and like the universe and all that and like I mean, there's so much there and like, oh my God, I completely lost what I was talking about, but <laughs> there's like, there's like so much there. And like, yeah, I mean, about when you talked about how love is being creation, I mean, I want to circle back on that later, but that, that, that's kind of like how I'm starting to see it. And like how you said that Tantra is just way more than sex, way more than this, you know, a few seconds of, you know, the bliss in the second uh, chakra. It's way more than that. And something I want to follow up on that, which is very interesting to me, is that you stated that um, these practices don't require you to be in an intimate relationship. Traditionally, they are explored with yourself first and then apply to any sexual orientation. It also serves your relationships, including your work. Now, how this all ties in is because uh, I'm going to admit something, which, again, to this current paradigm, to the Western world, I should not be saying, but I'm going to say it right now. I didn't admit this to you. Um, I'm actually... Uh, I'm. I just turned 36 years old and I'm actually a virgin. I've never been in a romantic relationship. I've never been on a date and I've never had, a, a, I've never kissed anyone in my life. Now, what I said, <laughs> when people hear that, they're like, that's a little crazy. Exactly. That's why I'm doing this right now. Cause I'm crazy. And the reason how that ties in is cause like my whole life, like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was necessarily necessary for me but but when when you say it about tantra how traditionally these practices they don't require you to be in an intimate relationship you can explore with yourself first and i'm like maybe this is why i feel like people like they, they come across me they're like oh my god you have so much energy you're all like this like that is maybe because i'm like channeling that energy which is supposed to come out of here and i'm just Beautiful. going like love this it. so like i would love to hear your take on that like i would yeah. just love to hear it I totally agree. Congratulations. <laughs> like, I came out the closet. <laughs> and this is beautiful. Yeah. So, yes, exactly. Um, for just to go on that line, Napoleon, right? He oh, knew yeah. about this and he would not ejaculate four weeks before he would go into battle mm. because he is aware that he would lose all his life potency. Mm. I have spoken to lots of men that say, yeah, I feel like exhausted. I feel drained and it's not working for me. Right. Actually, you know, it's like, and, and not only that, if we go on a health point of view from a health perspective is you using all your vital life force. Right. So then there's obviously this huge thing about, you know, bypassing ejaculation, which is a huge tantric Taoist practice yeah. that people practice for hundreds of years that I recommend to anybody and um, I'm teaching that too uh, mm. and for women it's I found it a little easier but it also means that coming back to what we said earlier you know we only usually stay in the first 
lower chakras. And by low, it's not low up and down. You know, it's just, you know, that using it that way. And then we bringing it through the heart and bringing life force or eros or sexual energy through the heart actually opens literally like a lotus and connects us to the divine and also connects us to the other person. I mean, if we, I mean, I only know my experience, you know, and I mean, a lot of people I've spoken to, it's like you have intimacy with someone else, but afterwards it's flat. It's actually no longer alive because it's exactly what you said. And you might be naturally circulating your energy. I don't know. We can find out, you know, where you have all that energy. And even if you don't do that, you are not basically losing it instead of saying wasting let's say losing it into nothing versus channeling it up which we do through the spine so the Mm. spinal cord there's a central channel called shushumna and that's where we're bringing it actually up to the pineal gland and then we have an orgasm actually in the pineal gland it's a much gentler it's gentler it's not this kind of um oh this is beautiful this is my favorite thing actually so most of us know that the, the, I call it conventional orgasm, which we talked about earlier, you know, the 32nd thing, um, is like a um, really strong sensation, yeah? So in, once we open the bliss body, not only can you have this 24-7, you can literally move your life force all the time, but it's a much more gentle wave. And this is why I, I chose the waves behind you. Imagine actually that behind you. I, now I know why I chose that. Yeah, That's right awesome. here. <laughs> this is imagine that is your orgasm moving up your spine into your brain, into the pineal, out of the head and back in. So you're circulating that. And you're circulating that with another being, but you can also circulate this with nature. You can Mm. circulate this, what you've been doing with life itself. And that's what I feel from you. You have this 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 incredible not thirst you are actually giving life you are so energetic that i feel actually almost you know like nurtured by your energy because you're moving it and you're giving it yeah so versus like like losing it by just having this for yourself and actually depleting your body of energy. Now, I want to make really clear, there's nothing wrong in having this orgasm, but it's nice to have a choice. And most people do not have the choice. They haven't discovered their bliss body. They don't know how to move those waves. And what's very interesting too, we are moving light. We are moving Mm. light. We are moving love really through our system and so coming back that is anti-aging that is like people want to be around you you want to be around people Mm -hmm. you notice who you are you notice you are not separate you know we are all one so it really opens up your consciousness and it opens up to when we get together that we that we that we communicate even with this energy we don't, you know, all this communication with words and, and all of that is that, you know, when you, it's that thing, you meet somebody and it's like, 
you know, you just feel alive. Yes, and it's, that's pre-verbal. Exactly. Yes, you know exactly. It, you know and it, then yeah. we often think like, oh, we want sex or you feel, you feel even turned on, but there is so much more to that turned onness, right? Mm. That we then again might express through a fling or maybe it ends up in a marriage, whatever. But then we realize that's short lived as well. So coming back to what you said earlier, if I practice this by myself, I have already, I'm already full. I'm already coming from a loving space that I want to share you and bring the best out in you. So if two people come together from that perspective, even making a child, imagine what that would be like. Creating a child, not by accident, not because you have to, not because it's societal, you know, but to really bring a child in the world because you want that, you know, you really bring that and you're conscious about that. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Yeah. So um, um, that means you have the choice when you want to do what. And in the meantime, you have the most amazing health tool that really rejuvenates. And imagine, especially if you look at the, um, the semen, the whole fluid of a man, it produces a child. So it has the most valuable nutrition. Literally, it contains the valuable mm -hmm. condition. Imagine you can actually pull this back into your body. And that's what you do by bypassing and pulling it literally back into your spine, moving it up. And for the woman, it's the same. She, you know, there is, there is also the energetics for women. It's a little different, but the same thing, they're pulling the energy back up and bringing it in. And then if men and women come together, it's a different circle because we are magnets. Yeah, we are poles, different poles. And at the same time, we can create also harmonious energy that then, again, elevates us into a level of higher consciousness and not using each other's tool for self-gratification. Nothing wrong with that. I just want to give you some other options. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good option. I mean, like, and um, like one of the things that I got from you through all of our, our talks in the Sense of Making One One is like, you constantly talked about co-creation and co-creation. Like I'm trying to, and that's why I even joined because for a long time, like how you talk about how like you bring the love into yourself. And like, I was doing it. Like I imagined like in my body for years that my heart was just like this infinite like output of love. And I, but it was like circulating in myself and it was just, it was like, I was love, I was learning to love myself and healing myself. And, but then I was like, one day, okay. It's like, okay, this is so much. Like I got to bring someone else. So now it's like how you're talking about bring someone else into it. Now we're connected now. And now it's not just this, it's doing this. And then, and then eventually it's going to be like that. So I guess kind of like what I'm doing here, you know, when I'm trying to bring everyone together with, with this love, which I don't know where it's coming from, but, you know, maybe coming from where so, we're So, so beautiful, because that's what I felt from you the first time I met. You were just literally, you know, pouring love into me and making me happy to be alive. You have that incredible energy, you know. And what I want to say about that too, you know, I know a little bit about you, you know, and your commitment to yourself and the commitment that you work through stuff, yeah. you know, or you work through yeah. conditioning, you know. Yeah. And it's uh, and it seems like 
you did this naturally without having words to it. Mm. And I think that actually happened for a lot of us. And it happened for me when in my 20s, I just mm. knew I intuited. And I just found over the last 30 years words to this and being with teachers and saying, oh, right, great, great, great. You know, someone is putting words to it. And I'm yes. sure a lot of the people that are listening, it's just like, oh, yes, I know, I know, I know. But we haven't been given words and the words of really acknowledging that the energetics that I'm receiving from you and actually naming that and not being shy to say, hey, you make me fully alive, mm. right? In a different way that I just felt like when I got on this call with you at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning, <laughs> You know, I'm like, there. I'm like, whoa, you know, let's, and, and I really received that as a gift. So you've been doing all of that. And of course, once we can put um, language to it, and I believe we even can find new language that is more intimate, that is actually being intimate without being conventionally intimate. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And that is connecting by me saying to you as a total stranger, you make me really feel alive and this mm. is your gift to me and I'm receiving it. Oh my God. I feel I love this so much. I mean, I can feel, I mean, I really appreciate that. And like, you know, it, it makes me feel good that I could, you know, like I could, you know, bring that love to you and help you feel that. And I, you know, like I'm, I'm always freaking self-doubting myself. And I guess that's a good thing because I'm like, there's always that shadow, you know, how we're talking about the course, that shadow. I'm like, I want to love people, but there's still like that, that little boy who's just, you know, so scared. And he just like, I still, I feel like I'm doing this for selfish reasons and I'm scared of being hurt. I'm scared of putting myself out there. But like, when I hear stuff, how you say that I, I help you come alive. I'm like, wow, this, this really is my gift. It really it inspires me to keep doing it. So, so thank you so much. Um, so, I mean, so, I mean, like, as influenced, as, as evidenced by what, uh, you know, you've been talking about, how all these different things that you do in my intro, how about you're a chef, a nurse, a tantra teacher, Ayurvedic practitioner, nutrition wellness coach, a dancer. I mean, like, you're all these different things, right? And like, it's just like, what exactly is it that compels you to go down all these paths? Like, what is the common thread that leads you to go through all these different, seemingly disparate paths? But like, what is the common thread for you? So I'm curious about um, a lot of it is, I guess, I do have a passion for life. I, I have, I've, I'm sensing this evolutionary impulse and I always experience it when I say evolutionary impulse. I'm seeing um, like a rod, you know, when you take an electricity cable and then when you open it, there is these, there is these little, little um, things coming out. Yeah, I don't know what you call them, the right? The wires. The, the wires, yeah. the wires, yeah. right? And that feels aliveness there. There is this aliveness to me. So, uh, and for me, uh, dance, I particular dance in the soul mm. motion, the soul motion tradition, um, is like, that is, um, it's again, connecting with another by really tuning in to the connected field to the unified field whatever mm. you want it and allowing yourself to being danced 
It's not doing, it's not doing, Mm. right? And Mm. that's ultimately making love. If I am chasing an orgasm, I'm completely outcome oriented. Usually I'm in my head. I'm waiting for something. I can't really be there to experience the bliss wave. Ah, that I'm seeing behind, yeah? Yeah. It's like that that bliss because I'm so um and also I really want everybody to think of how much are you connected to the other person the closer you come to the climax. How much are you connected to the other person and what happens when you climb when you climax? Mm. What is actually happening afterwards? Just to explore that next time and see what happens versus you can even climax by moving the energy. And again, it's a different, it's a different experience. And can you maybe be open to that experience? You can always go back, but again, you can, you have kind of both and, um, the connection that opens and it will be a very different experience that it's an experience I can't describe, Mm. right? Uh, I remember when my Tantra teacher um, gave me the practice to be basically, um, I don't know how she worded it, like to be celibate and also have no self-pleasuring for three weeks, it, it just felt like, you know, and she said that's only the beginning. And I had some kind of resistance that had actually to do with conditioning. And it also had to do, in my personal case, to do coming to your question, I'm like, what, what, what brought me to all of that? I um, obviously, as all of us, I had um, kind of a difficult childhood and I never felt connected to my mother or to the rest of my family. Mm. Not only physically, but not emotionally or anything like that. But I was yearning for that. And I, I guess I had um, sadness around that. And I felt lonely. And I think that all actually on some other level was, an, um, was a catalyst for me to... I just knew it existed, you know. I just knew it existed. You wanted that. You wanted. I, and I wanted yeah, that. So, but so, but by not having it, it showed me that I really wanted that. But then, you know, and in my seven, I was seventeen. I guess, but I don't want it that way. There is something else. It was more all of an on a nonverbal experience, which also had to do with my, if you want to call it trauma, or whatever. And I understood by listening to my. Buddhist and Tibetan teachers that there was a reason why I went through this. There was a reason why we human beings go through that amount of suffering Mm, or disconnection at such a young age that I was curious. And also being a pediatric ER nurse, I saw a lot of children dying. And so I wanted to understand that at the same time, having been with children dying, they had a completely different perspective of dying that wasn't frightened, that wasn't scared. Mm. And it was an extreme, extreme, extraordinary experience to be with birth and death on a, in a very, um, you know, a life way. I mean, it was, it was like, there was a lot of births, there was a lot of deaths. And I was, I was like 20, you know, from 20 till 26. 
I had those experiences and so um, I just knew there was kind of something else um, and it's that red thread that I felt like, you know, I knew, I, was, I, I knew there was the divine, however you want to call that. We all have a different name, unified field, source, it's all the same. Um, but I also sensed, especially in India, through devotion and chanting, I like Indian chanting, like Kirtan, um, that devotion and that opening of the heart. Um, that I didn't experience necessarily in my society um, and in my family. But we, I know it's there, possibly similarly to you. You know it's there. And I guess I can only say it breathed me. It, it, it made me, you know, trust. It made me believe. I think mm. I believe. I never gave up, you know, even through the hardest of experiences. It's almost like this, this, I have a sense of, you know, there is an unstoppableness in me. Um, and I also want to say, you know, we talk about shadow from a tantric perspective, the shadow, the medicine is in the shadow. And mm. what I see is that whatever my soul has chosen to come here to alchemize which meaning we alchemizing lead into gold and i'm alchemizing pain and patterns into love yes yeah so yeah i mean i completely i mean there's so much there and like uh, thank you so much for like sharing your story and like i completely you know like we talk about how you, you know there's something there so that's why you keep going and you already know about my long struggle i was like i was like i was like mentally physically and like spiritually destroyed but i just kept going i was like i don't know just whatever keep going and then like at each step i'm like just like new possibilities opening up and like i get to this i we we meet in sense making 101 and all of a sudden I, who, who predicted this so yeah i mean it's amazing and I, like i said like as i said in the beginning like you're a big inspiration uh, for me starting this, um, if you recall, like, remember, uh, we had that prompt, uh, we were supposed to like speak about, uh, I believe a cultural issue. And then I spoke about, uh, uh, about the, co the current conversation about race in America. And I said, like, as an East Asian, as a, a Korean American, my viewpoint is not represented like pretty much at all. It's pretty much like, uh, uh, right now it's like a black viewpoint and then different voices within the black viewpoint and then a white viewpoint different voices within the white viewpoint. But like me, it's just like, I agree with a little bit here and a little bit here, but there's a whole lot here that you are not going. Um, so it was just like, and you were like, I gave my speech and you're like, wow, Albert, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I mean, thank you for that. And I'm just like, you're right. Like, like that, your voice, we don't have your voice. They should like rebel wisdom should speak to you. They have all these other people with resident wisdom. They should speak to people like you. And I was like, really me? It's like, who am I? Like, who am I like, no one's ever going to speak to me. And just like, then I was like, wait a minute. No one's ever like, no one that's normal and sane would ever give me a platform. So you know what I have to do? I have to create my own platform, right? And I got to bring people who don't have their voices like you, like Robin, like all these other people that I want to have on here. So thank you for your big inspiration for that. And like what I'm leading to is that like one of the topic that was brought up recently, uh, I, I saw you comment in the rebel wisdom circle. And I brought it up in the Stoic Discord as well, was 
women in a rebel wisdom and the sense making space and how like their voices are just not being heard. It's just, you know, like every single, like this is like the revolving door of like the same people over and over. I'm not going to name names, but you know, you look around, you see, it's the same thing every time. So like, I want to know, like, I want to know your thoughts on like the current state of the presence of women in our community. So you're speaking specifically on the on the rebel wisdom community, yeah? No, but like like or the whole sentiment community and just in society right. in general. I love to speak on the whatever feels loud for you. Right, right, okay. Wow. So this is <laughs> this can be a very big issue. Yes. Um, because also as a woman, I um, yes, we had five thousand years of patriarchy. Mm. Uh, from a tantric perspective, there is even you know very clear what happened five thousand years ago. Then we have the whole Adam and Eve story, and the woman bit the apple, and we are the the woman created the problem, you know. And then we have Lilith, and so we could go into all that, but hopefully another time. <laughs> um, there's also the part, you know, that um, because of that we women have to almost like come out again. We have to almost like go mm. back to our roots, go back actually to our bodies. The, our bodies are actually the feminine, meaning that your body as a man is like still, it's a fem, it has a feminine exactly. quality. The yes. body is feminine. The mind is more the masculine principle. And I'm speaking in big capital here, right? And whatever I'm saying has nothing to do with what gender you are. It is just, has more to do with feminine capital F, feminine masculine. And then, you know, we have also different, um, I want to say, I'm looking out at nature here. Mm, um, yeah. I'm, uh, we also have, you know, we could, for example, just to categorize a little bit, there's some women that have a very high, maybe percentage of feminine energy mm -hmm. and other women they have less men and women it's the same thing right so i'm just talking in the, in those terms i want to make that clear so that also means that as a woman i have to really be aware of how much I identified consciously, unconsciously with the masculine world, including especially the corporate world. Mm. If I'm a woman that works in the corporate world, right? How much I'm in touch with my body, how much I'm in touch with my wisdom that actually lies in my womb, mm. how much I'm actually, I'm going right out here, how much I'm in touch with my breasts, that are related to the heart, that holding the heart energy. Mm. And what a relationship do I have with my moon cycle? Uh, this is something in our society still in 2020, where I'm hiding my moon cycle, where I'm, you know, no, where I'm no longer bleeding on the earth. I actually have to cover it up. It's an inconvenience. We have to reclaim that and take that time, which I have over my whole life, and actually know when my cycle is. I actually schedule downtime in and meditate it and be in relationship with the moon around that, the ritual, the moon, right? So I have to make time for that and not overrun my body, my cycle, my wisdom that lies in my womb. 
So that's a responsibility that I see that would have huge effect reclaiming that and being in tune and making decisions from there, not from here, not from what's good for the company and ignoring my body and seeing something sacred that I consider as sacred, menstruating to me as sacred, seeing that as an inconvenience and our relationship to this. And there's our power is in there. And that's real power that a lot of us women, I had to reclaim that, but I did this very, at a very young age um, to reclaim that as sacred and everything that comes along with that. Wow. Uh, that is beautiful. And like, I actually read, I don't know if you saw in the rebel wisdom discord, someone actually posted a topic on that and they said they had never seen anyone bring it up before about how in order to like make, in order to be uh, proper sense makers in the coming age, uh, women are going to have to talk about their menstrual cycles. And like, I really didn't understand but like now, like with your explanation, it's like, it's being in touch with like, with yourself, not this, not that, not these, you know, external goals, but really being in touch with yourself. So uh, that was beautiful. And like, uh, what you stated, it goes perfectly. Like, I remember, um, I gave that, like, I came up with this conception about how like, it was an inversion of the creation myth. And exactly what you just talked about how, instead of the female as the creator who gives birth, it's the male God. And then the female from her body comes the original human, which is actually the female. All people are born as female in the womb, you know, and it's just the whole thing. And like, I, I, I went on with like how the female created the male as a tool. Like he builds, he defends, uh, he lives in his head, he performs calculations. And that what males are doing now is they're continuing this pattern where now males are creating artificial intelligence which is even more in his head, even more abstract about all but, uh, performing calculations and that they're going to take us over. And then that, I mean, like, and then what you stated about how like female, they have to, they have to take charge. They have to take responsibility. And then just like, that's why I'm like, women's voices need to be heard. And also like, if I could just say like, it's important that women have to take responsibility for like, for their original sin, which was not the biting of the apple. It was the, it was like giving it over to the man. It's like by creating man in the first place, the original sin was the creation of the male. So they're gonna be like, okay, let's bring it back. Male, get back in line. Let's not destroy ourselves with AI and let's keep this thing going for the future. Yeah. Right, so I mean, coming to that, you know, so I, I'm really big on co-creation. That means we had also matriarchy, we had patriarchy in the past, right? So I'm ready for a new paradigm on the masculine and the feminine. I don't want the patriarchy. I don't want the matriarchy. Yeah, but yeah. This is where I'm saying, if we start making love in a way that they described earlier, it will open our whole consciousness to honoring each other much more or not much more, honoring each other for who we are mm, exactly. and then co-create. It will be a completely different experience. Mm. right by where we come together and value each other's let's say the feminine intuition and the masculine directiveness and the masculine presence you know this incredible presence mm. 
Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's all these amazing movies coming out too. Like, what is it called? Mulan. I just, oh, saw, I just saw, I saw Mulan. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, but can you see how the feminine wasn't glorified there. Exactly. It was was one of the best movies in that, that men and women were actually equally, but this lady, she, she had to become a man. Then, you know, and everything Mm -hmm. she did, it's just beautifully explained in that movie, how this could actually look like, and that we can, that we can live next to each other in an equal way because women, it's, we're still not equal, but it has a lot to do, like I said, with how much our womb and our heart is, uh, is, is um, cultivated and we cultivating it by moving eros, by moving life force through our bodies as this is meant to be. And that is, to me, for a lot of people, still a new paradigm and a new way. And I'm just like, let's come together and uh, practice this. It's not that hard. You can always go back. And that's where the co-creation that you're speaking about earlier, um, that's how we co-create from the heart. Not from self-interest, not from overpowering another country, not from using resources and then living a life that is completely unsustainable, that wants more and more, and the heart is actually empty. And I don't even know how to connect with my neighbor. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because like... um... To, to add on to that it's just like i hear a lot like in all these spaces right like in like the game b world there are people like we have to save civilization with the save civilization and like you know there's this dichotomy between the way i say it, is that men build civilization and women build community here's the thing we don't need civilization but we need community without community we're destroyed so like i like i said like i'm all about the co-creation right so about like we really need like the, the women, the female, the, that energy that really has to come into her fullness. And then we got we to gotta, uh, uh, integrate and then co-create. Right. Um, and, and, and out of that, if I may, I would like to add to us women. I have recently had a few conversations with women about that. Hmm. We also need to come together as women and be together again and having hmm. a sisterhood versus yes. having jealousy and actually playing each other's out against mm. each other, including the media and the, the industry that I have to have, I'd be very simple, I have to have a lipstick so I'm looking better than you. You know, and that whole competition that happens through the patriarchy to, to women, at what you know, it happens to us, it's like we have to undo this. Men cannot undo this for us. Yes, yes. Right? Exactly. So how can I not let myself, you know, being manipulated into that kind of thing? And what beauty really is has nothing to do with what we're seeing mm-hmm. on a daily basis on billboards and women using to advertise cars and lipstick to, to any items. It's that feminine that is almost like where we have to say no, very clearly, no. I mean, yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so I wanted to move on to something about like, 
I, you mentioned it before. So like, I didn't even have to say it about how like you, me and Robin in our sense making one-on-one group. Uh, we all like had this, one of the things we had in common was we all talked about like miraculous healing. We all came out from it from like different angles, but like you specifically, um, Came up, you mentioned that your teacher was a Joe Dispenza. Uh, like I read his book, Becoming Supernatural. I really like that. Like tapping into you know the quantum field or whatnot. You know, like I'm very interested about that. And like I told you about my healing journey, ten years of fighting my way out, and I'm here. You know, but it's, my journey is not even close to over. It's gonna go on until I die. And then I, you know, it was just, but it was like it was love. It was it was self love and that of my family. And, and believing that there was something greater. That's what helped me get through that. And like, I was just wondering, like, if, if you could share how, whatever you're comfortable, your own personal journey with healing and getting to this point in your life. Okay. It's very, I mean, I'm, I'm not putting any pressure. No, I mean, like, I just, whatever you want to share. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'd love to share. Um, so when I was 16, I, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, I literally questioned um, my, my whole parents' life paradigm, mm -hmm. uh, the, the culture I grew up in in Germany. Um, and it had the effect that I want to say I had probably my first dark night of the soul because I didn't quite know how can I ever function in this society, not alone, you know. My dad thought I was good at math. He thought I should become an accountant. And I'm like, like, it, no. felt like it felt like dying to me, right? <laughs> I mean, literally, I was like, I might as well, you know. So, and it was a huge struggle to, um, to get away from him and his plans for me, you know. I mm -hmm. mean, talk about a woman, you know, where I... Uh, I actually had the help of my aunt and my uncle uh, around this. They just turned up magically. I don't know where. I didn't even ask them, but they were there for me, right? And I was, um, but that also had the effect a little later uh, that I developed an eating disorder. And um, that was, you know, strong. I, I was bulimic. And at the same time, I was very much into food and into healing food. I did my first detox when I was 15. Um, and so I had this really desire to eat healthy and know what it does for you. But then I had the eating disorder because of emotional problems that I couldn't, didn't know what to do with. So what was interesting for me about that is when I was, went to India, basically, so the eating disorder started at 18. Um, when I went to India at 25, it stopped overnight. Wow. Wow. And this didn't even, I didn't even realize this till years later, believe it wow. or not. It was the weirdest thing. It just stopped. Right. And I came back six months later and maybe I did, you know, twice, uh, try two episodes and it never came back. Right. And, um, so that means meant I had some healing to do also emotionally. I just knew I was more, I wasn't depressed, but everything felt like down to me. And, um, you know, and having been in India, um, I literally felt like I could stay there. At the same time, you know, people say, well, yeah, it's nice to be in an ashram and just meditate all day, but that's, you know, that doesn't mean you manage uh, anything or that doesn't mean you necessarily even grow, right? Mm. Um, 
So what I tried for a long time with healing is, you know, I, I did cleanses and all of that. I'm, I'm nutritionist and all of that. And, and what I would call, it's like I tried to do it with, with matter, talking in quantum. You brought the quantum yeah. up and Joe Dispenza, right? So I tried to heal by, you know, obviously eating properly, having supplements and all of that, having therapy, uh, doing different kinds of therapies, all different kinds of modalities and touch for health and you name it. And there, I felt like there was very little uh, effect of that. It was um, where I'm like, yeah, it's happening, but it's very slow. Hmm. And um, then uh, 20 years ago, I started working with people in particular, actually 30, 25 years ago. I lived in the UK for 10 years and I worked at a health farm there and had mostly like a consulting business for overcoming um, emotional issues with breathwork therapy and then also mm. taking the, um, you know, still nutrition and food and all of that. But what I realized is that the people that actually dealt with emotional issues and especially with the medium of the breath, that things started shifting much faster than if I would just go on a regime. And not only that, if I go on a health regime and on a particular diet, it had to be so precise. And if I would go off it, it would actually get worse. Not alone that I can really weaken my body by taking more and more food out, putting some pills in there, even if they're natural. And I'm actually becoming very much codependent or dependent on my external environment, which means I'm completely dependent right on my environmental situation and i had that on my my same experience if i would go on vacation i would just be thrown off you know even have like you know not the, the right circumstances so um it also made me feel like i need to constantly control my environment i mean from from situations to things to maybe people Right. And I saw that over and over in my clients as well, that they are just, you know, became actually more constricted and the maintenance was super high. You know, they had to live a very certain way and the efforts that they made and the, let's say the, the results and the freedom or the joy uh, that they experienced was actually very little. Mm. So, um, I, just, I was very much interested in quantum physics uh, in my 20s. And I read uh, the book uh, from Deepa Chopra when I was 25 about quantum mm -hmm. healing. And again, I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I was just really like, wow, you know, I didn't understand it all. But what, I, what they were saying is depending on your state of being or your state of emotion, this actually affects your cells. And your cells can heal depending on what you information emotionally or, uh, you know, yeah, emotionally particularly and how you feel that that affects your state of being and your healing and that you can accelerate your healing just by the way you feel. So how do you do that, right? So I still had some issues uh, emotionally uh, probably five years ago. And then I found Dr. Joe Dispenza and he is really, he taught me um, how you really do this process, how you have basically create heart and brain coherence. 
And that goes very much in line with the breath from Tantra tradition or the Kundalini tradition, you know, where you're moving the life force all the way up into the pineal gland and you're actually changing your brain chemistry. And people had instant remissions, instant healing. I know, the story is amazing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's like hundreds and hundreds of people, right? And so once I started practicing that, I had literally major shifts that I was working on for 20 years in three months. I mean, for me, it was not an overnight, um, you know, because my mind is very strong and my mental, you know, my, my, too much masculine, (laughs) right, 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 kick it out of there. It's like the it's yeah. like the the masculine is more like you know the control you know for me I learned I know I understood as a learned early age I understood to make sense intellectually mm. and feeling in the society I grew up in was not so much you know like uh, encouraged mm. not alone possibly punished um, so. Um, and once, you know, so, so I just started noticing the effect it has. And then the combination of the tantric breath, the Kundalini breath, uh, and the activation of the pineal gland and the change of chemistry and understanding that I'm not my thoughts, that I'm, you know, that the more of the non-dual approach as well. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it goes on the feeling level and having the feelings of elevated emotions like gratitude and uh, appreciation and just joy. I can actually bring those feelings up, you know, as a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then have watch my body go through the motion of you know whatever it is but again i'm not my body and my body informs me what i'm actually thinking as they say mm-hmm, your yes. body is a reflection of your subconscious yeah it's called they call it embodied cognition it's just like you know like yeah. the first brain was actually in the gut This brain came after. This one was formed first. Yeah. And then we know, you know, from the whole Heart Mass Institute that our the other brain is actually our heart. Oh yeah, yeah. And that is actually sixty times stronger. So so it was like learning for me to really open the heart again and also feeling in a very I wanna say effortless way, the pain melting away in a very different way that I felt, you know, in therapy for decades, nothing really shifted because the heart and brain coherence wasn't actually established. I mean, uh, thank you so much, Thea, for sharing. I mean, like, I really appreciate it. I know it's not easy, you know, sharing this kind of stuff, but like, I know like when I hear people talk about their healing journeys, that really helped me. It helps inspire me. helps me figure out, oh, I'm on a sim- I was actually on a similar journey when I was like, oh, I was getting all the supplements and getting all the food right. And it's like, oh, I still don't feel good. I started getting breath work and I started getting all this other stuff like Joe Spencer and healing. So I completely, you know, I, I understand that and, and I completely appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure many people in the audience appreciate you sharing your story. So again, thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Okay. Um, So next, so like, how this goes next? So, so I I was up. I I was on your Facebook. Sorry, I stalk everyone. I do all my research. Sorry for that. I'm very creepy. Um, And I saw a quote from you. You posted on your Facebook that you said, uh, "Focusing on one at what I can give rather than get feels like the biggest liberation to my feeling of well-being, especially in my body." 
it makes me feel very connected to other people instead of separate. And it's like, this is one of the things that really resonates for me. And just like, actually like literally right before, like I was like, like right before I started doing this, I was like, ah, what am I doing? I don't know what to do. But then like, what happened is I came across this podcast um, and it had this monk, his name was uh, Garanga Das. And he starts off by describing love as devotional service. And I was like, oh my God, that's powerful. I was like, what am I doing? Am I trying to save the world? Am I trying to make something, you know, successful? And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be uh, of devotional service to other people. And like that really made me feel alive, helped me feel connected. And then like, I'm very interested in like people's definitions of love and Robin's definition of love. His own is unbiased attention. And like, that is also a big influence in me as well. It's like to be able to listen and not be in my own head, like to listen to you and have the heart, mind connection. And not only just with myself, with you, like that's another way to express love. And that's another way that like really speaks to me. So I was just wondering, what is your personal definition of love? I love that you bring up the devotion. Um, mm. I think it is devotion and there is kind of an irony that I wanted to bring up, you know, having talked about my eating disorder because an alchemization, the, the interesting part is that I love feeding people, you know, or I love- You're a chef, of course. The word, the word, <laughs> like the wrong word. I like people giving an experience yes, and that yes. to me, it's the love, you know, making a meal, setting the table, you know, and actually I, I feel the people while I'm cooking, you know, like, 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 so that was my way when I was younger, especially during my 16 and up, I would just put dinners together for people ah, and just be with people that way. And that was my way of connecting. You know, it was a nonverbal way. And somehow people just got something from that, that I didn't even know. I just knew I needed to cook when mm. I'm cooking. And it's like, I always think like, it's like a painter. I just use all the spices and all of that, but yeah. I need people who actually eat <laughs> exactly. you eat it yourself. Like, like, oh my God, exactly, like 500 pounds. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know so that um so my definition of love is like yeah it's like that giving um that actually is then connecting you know but it's like the it's the devotion for me devotion it's like we i feel we I feel we all have a unique contribution we all have a uniqueness yes, yes. of what that is mm. and my biggest for me, I feel very fortunate that I was always in touch with it and not became an accountant, <laughs> became a nurse. Thank God, and please. Thank the divine. Yeah. That, that, was, that was for me, it's like I have to do it. Even if there's nobody there, I mm. have to, to do this. And... Um, you don't think about you don't think about it. You not think about does the other person like it or it, it, mm. it's all not in the equation. You just have to do it, you know. And I, for me, it's the greatest joy to also help other people to actually do that and just do it. You know, it's like um, 
I heard Jim Carrey actually say something, and he, I hope I get this together. He was saying, you know, his dad, uh, he had this secure job, you know, that he didn't really like, but it felt secure. One day he got laid off. Mm-hmm. And then Jim Carrey's like, how would it not be better to just go and do what you love? Exactly. And, uh, you know, and then and, and, and do something that you, that's not secure at all. Mm. And so it's just that, that devotion to me is almost like, really listening to what it is even when you think like there is like like even my work especially as a chef it has come I've never planned this to do other than one day I started cooking and things just started happening um and uh and it's that thing that gets you up in the morning and that it's it's that devotion where you just are in awe of the aliveness that you feel and um, that you just can't help it. And just always go with what that is and take Mm -hmm. the risk of, you know, leaving a secure job, whatever that means, right? And, um, And I would love for all of us to support each other in a co-creative way to actually do that. And I think we do need support and we don't have to do this by ourselves because it's a little scary. It's a little Mm, scary. And I have to say, I have people along the way that always held my hand or that put me in the right direction, right? And I feel like this is something we, if we do that for each other and really being here and celebrate each other's uniqueness and, you know, calling it for us, you know, being in and for each other in that uniqueness, I think that's another way where co-creation and collaboration and being together comes in. Oh my God, that is amazing. Cause like, that's like when you speak about everyone having their unique gift, like, that's why I'm doing this, right? Like, like how you're talking about how, like, how, like, you know, Rebel Wisdom and all these other sense-making groups, you're just like, there's no way they would ever have me on. Like I said, no sane person would ever feature me, would ever have my voice, right? It's just like, but I have a unique, I need to have a unique voice. Look at me. I'm, look at me. I'm just, I'm crazy. So, like, this is, like, my unique gift and, like, how you're talking about... Because the way I think about it, everyone has to step up. He's saying it's very scary. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to fail. But I'm like, but it's like when you step up, there's already people here. Like, there are other people right there. They're like, are you here? And it's like, no, yes, we're all right here. It's like the moment you step up, you're supported and you're giving support to others right when you step up. So, like, that's what, like, that, like that's a big thing of like why I'm doing this, right? And like, uh, oh my God. And so, all right, all right. Where was I talking about? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, like, oh, yeah, and then like, um, how you talk about, I completely understand when you say how, when you cook things for people, it just, it, it feels like it, it nourishes your soul because it's just like, remember, I, I remember I told you, like, I was going to open up my own vegan donut shop. I was a pastry chef for here. I was going to open up my own donut shop, except instead of giving people healthy Ayurvedic food, I was going to give them donuts. But <laughs> I was, you know, I was trying not to be. So like, I completely with you on that. Yeah. And and thank you, you know, it feels like you actually bringing me here and you are um, elevating me and, and pulling my unique gift out more because yes. I like to give this more, you know? Exactly. Like, you have so many gifts, Thea, so many. <laughs> thank you. Oh, yeah. But it's like, you know, the chefing for me is great, but I feel really, really, really mostly passionate and devotion, you know, to do this kind of work and to... Mm. elevate our sexuality and also really having people different experiences 
not as in better it's just like to give to see hey just try this out and and offering it and uh and see you know this is this this is really amazing thing i mean where we are right now in human history in the history of this planet uh, can be very daunting and it yeah. can be again very inspired very this is it this is it right but not with doing it devotion comes in for me too we are not doing it to save anything or anybody mm-hmm. we're doing it out of love yes you know it's like it's like you know even even let's say i have moments of pain but can i offer them to the altar of love can oh i God, offer the yeah. pain mm. to the altar of love right and i'm how am i showing up moment to moment i don't need to sit on my meditation cushion how am i showing up in the grocery store how am i showing up you know when my friend comes and and whatever but I really feel like it's the time that we recognize our oneness, our connection. We know this now from the quantum physics, you know, Greg Braden is another amazing person, Bruce Lipton. We know that the genetic theory is completely out of date. Epigenetics. We're moving forward from the Newtonian law of physics and into oneness consciousness and just really start, you know, being the bridge, being living that. And I feel this is happening when we come together being together activate each other sleeping potential Mm. and see what we create once we come together that's when we create we no longer create by ourselves Mm. you know it's like Thich Nhat was saying you know the new um, the new Buddha is the Sangha meaning the community what you spoke about you know so this is why I just love anybody you know, that wants to take this a little deeper. I'm just here. I'm available. So Yeah, Thea, I mean, like, your gift, I mean, you have so many gifts, but, like, especially with Tantra in this, in the, in this time where it's, like, everyone just, everyone's just going on, like, porn sites and, like, swiping through dating apps and just, like, there's, there's this really artificial connection and just, like, like, that's another modality because, like, uh, you know, I'm in all these different groups with the Stoa and, and uh, Rebel Wisdom. We have, like, these wisdom gyms where we try to, everyone comes together and we try to like connect and be present for each other and like uh, express new ways of being with each other. And like, like you're like with Tantra, what, not just with, you know, the sex part that everyone concentrates about, but like the whole, the, the wholeness of Tantra, I think it was, is, it would be amazing gift at this point, uh, at this point in time. And I would love to, you know, get people over to you and get you helping people as, as many people as possible. Um, so, I mean, so one thing, that I came across recently. I was in a Stoa session uh, with, uh, I mentioned this in with a podcast with Robin, uh, Peter Wang. He talked about how like whole humans, right? In this capitalistic, capitalistic world, we're all like replaceable. We're all fungible. We're all commodities. Like they could just like, they could just chew us up and throw us out. They'll hire someone else. And like, they're like, they're like standardizing, standardizing us through the, through the education system to all be like this one, you know, like, uh, you know, like standardized thing. And then I realized, wow, like, this is the world we live in. Like, each of us, we're replaceable. Like, there's nothing unique or special about us. That's what they want us to believe, this world. But then I was like, wait a minute. What if we created a world where each of us is irreplaceable? And then once I got that going in my mind, I was like, holy sh... That would completely shift, like, like 
every single structure that currently exists will be just completely uprooted if every single one of us is irreplaceable. So I just wonder if you could just help imagine with me, like, what would that world look like? Like, how would we bring it about? A world where each of us is irreplaceable. That's so beautiful. I have a sense um, that this is starting with each of us. You know, it's starting um, with, first of all, just hearing you, you know, I mean, this is like, obviously I hear this the first time and I'm just letting that sink in. It's like you saying this, whoever to me, to me personally, to everybody who has just listened to you, mm-hmm. it's almost like planting a seed. And in exactly. that, right? And you just take that, you just, it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And really take that in, take that moment right now, all of us, you know, the people that are listening afterwards, it's like, oh, wow, feel that. Let that move through your spine. And that for me would mean, you know, that if I go wherever I go right now, we're not going many places. So it's a little, you know, but it doesn't matter. We're meeting virtually, you know. It's like, can I see you as divine creation? You are divine. Mm. And I see your uniqueness. And I, um, I actually tell you your uniqueness, like we, we did automatically, mm-hmm. you know, but we can do that as a special practice. Hey, and I can say to you, you are bringing a liveness into my life. I feel very connected. I feel your love. I'm receiving that. And I'm, it's, it's like I'm utterly grateful to you, Albert, you know, the love that you just pouring into me. And we can even meet here virtually and then each of us gives their unique gift Mm -hmm. to the other. And uh, I I remember once doing an exercise in that kind of setting where we were saying to one person, there was four of us, the fifth person was sitting opposite and the four of us were telling the other person the gifts we received and the other person wasn't even aware. And that's actually the beauty that if you're really giving your gift, you don't even know. You think to you it's normal and to the other person it's the total blessing, right? So if we speak that and be coming into the habit, even with a stranger, I can feel in a stranger what they're giving to me. If I'm on an airplane, right, and they're sitting next to this person, I feel, wow, it's so nice to have this person next to me. Oh, oh my God, this person is really grumpy. We're feeling all these things, Mm. right? But it's like, how can I even bring out the best in someone? Maybe that's grumpy. You know, there's a reason why this person is grumpy. But can I see the best instead of the criticism, the this, the that, the, the separation coming from separation? So that's something, you know, Albert, I see we could even start a group like that where we really Mm -hmm. see, where we really see that and really cultivating that with with each other. I mean, Thea, what you just stated is actually the core of what I'm trying to do right now. 
Like I wrote like what my purpose of this, it was like, I want to bring out the gifts in everyone and I want to show it to them and I want to show it to the world so we could be like, oh, we, so we can co-create something beautiful. So that's exactly what I'm trying to do. So yes, I, I completely get that. And then just like, is it, is it, is it the, the meaning of namaste or is it like, is, is the meaning of that? It's like, I see the divine in you. It's like, that's like, that's pretty much what I'm trying to do there. So yes, I mean, like, it's great that you can see that. And like, I appreciate that you seeing me, I appreciate you seeing me is what I want to say. Thank you. Thank, thank you for seeing me. Yeah. I, yes. I, yes, yes, yes. And it, it's also so fascinating. I mean, we, we speaking here, you know, and there is an energetic component and, you know, where it feels like, I can, you know, can we even start seeing, feeling this? I can feel this from you mm. even without the words. The words, it feels like it's the icing on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? But it's yeah. like we come, but you know, it's like you, you sometimes see a stranger and you just want to be around them. Or you see a stranger and you do not want to be around yeah. them, right? But it's like, at the same time, it's like that to me, the devotion is also, do I can see the divinity the goodness in the other person, no matter what, even if they're grumpy, 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 right? There's a reason why this person is grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Can I elevate that? Not wait for uh, them, yeah. not wait for them to change, not going to judgment, mm. you know? But it's like, and so it's so coming back to, it's making love. It's like you can use making love to, to, uh, to elevate the other person, to raise the consciousness, mm. um, it's not about self, it's, it's, it's about not just selfless service, but it's, maybe it is, you know, it's like if you are already full, if you believe you are complete, then you just want to give, you know, so it's just being full and filling yourself up first. It's like when they say pull the max oxygen mask on first, yeah, yeah. pretty useless, even to your kids if you're passing out and you, because you have no oxygen mask on. Yeah, it's that, that same principle. So you filling yourself first in order to serve. Exactly, yeah. Not in order to separate and have more out of greed or whatever you mm. want to call it. Nothing wrong, but it's, it's all about how can I elevate? How can we elevate each other? Yeah, I mean, exactly. And like when you think about it just in the non-dual terms, it's like there is no I'm filling myself and I'm not filling. No, it's like, we're, we're filling. <laughs> we are being filled, like, no matter what. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was about to say something, but I forgot. But <laughs> it's okay. Oh, my God. We're almost on 90 minutes. This is amazing. Um, Thea, you have been amazing, of course. Not surprised at all, but even more amazing than I thought. Um, so if I may, I would just like to close off with maybe uh, a few more questions. Like, what I want to know is who or what inspires you? I mean, there's, there's people that inspire me, right? Um, nature inspires me mm. always, always. Um, there is something about, you know, like the water, the leaves, the turning leaves right now. It's like for me, a miracle every year, how this is all happening, mm, yeah. right? Um, I love rain, I love snow. I'm, uh, I love mountains, you know, if we go into nature. Um, what inspires me is kind of, you know, witnessing courage, 
Mm. Uh, transparency inspires me. Mm. I love coming together and rocking the boat a little bit, coming together with people. Exactly. Also be, be, being rocked, mm. have my boat rocked, uh, being vulnerable and being in a group of people as we are with Stoa and, you know, uh, sense-making where we say things that we've been asked to say things that we never told anybody and the liberation of that and the connection and the relief and the humanness and the divinity simultaneously mm. um, just yeah I, I what inspires me is you know it's doing something a little I don't know do you call it scary or um, you know uncomfortable in with other people that we loving each other in that, you know, it's so I always, I, I love the shadow therefore, you know, because like I said, the medicine is in the shadow exactly. and the light, the light shines on the shadow, what needs to be alchemized. And uh, there's some magic for me. If I am, uh, sometimes I call it confessing in a group of people. Yeah then ex experiencing the love that comes from that and the, the, the more, the more love and the, the evolving from that. Hmm. Yeah. And like, I like, like what you just stated, how it feels like you're releasing when you confess, like what I just did, like, uh, I don't know, like an hour ago when I said that I'm a virgin, <laughs> like that's freeing for me. I'm putting this, online for everyone to see including everyone in my life my family they're gonna be like oh albert's a weird version i'm like okay whatever i don't care but yeah i mean yeah I'm, amazing. I yeah amazing you know? i mean just amazing albert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean awesome. um and also um i was uh, looking through uh, uh uh your bio and you say that like one of the people one of your biggest inspirations when it comes to cooking in the kitchen were were the women that you cooked with in India, right? And I'm like, that just sounds amazing. So I was wondering like, like, like tell their story, like, who were they? How were they inspiring? And like, what are some like lessons that you learned from all your different travels? So the women in India, yes. So you, I was 26, my English was very, no, really, I, my English was not existing. It's just like to <laughs> yeah. me, right? It's like, oh yeah, my yeah. God, you know, very yeah. good. And so these women only spoke, spoke some kind of Hindu, you know, whatever, and, and English. So there wasn't really much communication. Mm. And in the ancient uh, tradition, and also in Ayurveda, including Tantra, you actually receive a transmission uh, I think most of you probably know what that means. It's a transmission where you feel almost like um, you, you're getting the information through, but there has to be a certain kind of um, receptivity for that. But that receptivity, as far as I understand it, for me, was I'm born with. It was there for me to be. And so what I realized is for me to go to India, it was like a pull call it again, uh -huh. the pull from the evolutionary yeah. impulse. I was pulled, I was magnetized mm -hmm. to India to be, and I literally felt like I'm home for the first time in 25 years. I remember going into, a, um, in, into um, what they call satsang. Um, it's kind of a talk and there is often chanting there. And the second time I'm there, I'm chanting in Sanskrit. 
it oh. didn't make sense to me at the time, right? So it was like as though I, you know, I, 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 I didn't know myself to make out of it. I didn't even think about it. It felt normal to me till I maybe spoke about it, asked about it later. So it's it's kind of a transmission. Um, and um, the the women there, there is also we haven't spoken about embodiment. It's they were so physical. They were loving what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like were loving the spices. The that's why I felt like you know I went to an art school for painting. That's what it felt like for me. Oh, wow. And you know you learn from a master or you learn from someone that loves what they're doing so much that it almost like stick. You know, goes through you and you're experiencing, I experienced the love for the food without eating the food, right? And so I think it like activated, like the sleeping, it activated something in me that when I cook now, sometimes when I'm done, it's a meditation for me. It's like I have my music, I have my music, I have my altar, I burn some candles, I like it nice, I like my special tea, you know, and I start cooking and then the things what's in it, I said, I don't, I, I can't remember, you know, it's like, even if I would have to speak about it, it loses its magic, kind like of. You're channeling, or, yeah. Maybe, yeah, because I, you know, I've been, you know, contemplating, I've been asked to write cookbooks and I'm like, I can never do the essence of that. You Uh know, I would maybe like to do and cook in front of people, cook with people. And I've done that. And it's like super fun. But to document and get all into the kind of headspace around, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But um, this is why I feel like I stayed always in that very personal relationship with my clients and around the food and then do dinner parties to give people a real experience and be Mm. in it and enjoying it and getting the energetics of it. Um, and just really being in the flow with it, I guess, being in the wave. Oh yeah. my God. Amazing. And like, I've been trying to figure out how to get, taste your food. Cause I like, I'm not, I don't just say, Oh, I want to eat your, no, I literally want to eat your food. And I'm trying to understand <laughs> how I could do it. I don't know if you could like have anything shelf stable or you could flash freeze. I don't know. But like, I actually really want to lo- eat your food. Cause I love Indian food. I love Ay- Ayurvedic okay. medicine and all that stuff. So I would love I if we could actually, actually get something. I actually have shipped my food overnight. Oh, I, you have? I, I have, yes. I had um, one client and I moved towns and they're like, no, 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 no. We keep on going. <laughs> keep it going, yeah. So I did, you know, it was still very custom. It wasn't kind of manufactured anything. I did it, froze it. We packed it on special ice, shipped it overnight, oh my you God. know, and there we go. You know, it was still so, good. It was still good. Hopefully. It was good. Yeah, it oh was. <laughs> We're going to have to figure something out. Seriously. Please. Okay. We okay, figured we'll, something we'll out. We'll talk about it. So. Okay. 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 So I just wrapped it up a little bit. Um, I believe you mentioned something about holograms, something like that. I don't know if you want to speak about that or. Well, you know, I mean, gonna... I. I don't know an awful lot about it other than, you know, hologram, the magic about a hologram is that if you split the parts, the wholeness is still in each part. Oh yeah. I just saw something on that. Yeah. 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 Right. So, um, uh, so that's kind of the magic where I feel like, you know, I was just going to say very, very basic how I'm experienced. So we are all, we all have apparently separate bodies, Mm. 
but we are all completely together in a hologram creating this mandala yeah. or a kaleidoscope and it's the thing that we are even healing we can get together in one room and it's called entrainment and you work on one person and you actually work on everybody else so that oh. means when we come together not only can we heal we can also create magic together because we are actually one yeah, I because like the reason that I was so interested because in, I actually just I don't know if you you go on the YouTube channel it's called I believe Science and Non Duality and they just had something about holograms and how like the entire universe and like actually like yeah. esteemed scientists have talked about that yeah so I'm very interested in, in in that and like also like I was about to oh yes this is something I I wanted to bring up before just like it is amazing like how we could have this connection you think with like COVID happening we can't literally be in physical space, right? That we can't have a connection. But somehow, just like in quantum mechanics, they say like, we're all connected, we're all intertwined. Like somehow you and I can share this energy, like this, this, this energy, like it's there. Like, it, and I think that's, that's incredible that we were not, we were able to hold on to that. Exactly. And it's, 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 I think that's one thing with COVID, you know, that it actually almost like breaks us to away from the illusion that mm. I'm receiving your love right here and now, mm. not through the screen, but I can, we can yeah. feel each other. You know, exactly. I don't even exactly know where you're sitting, right? It's like we feel the energy and that the illusion again of separateness or the illusion that we mm. need to be together in body, right? And you know what brought that to me um, that I was really curious about when they were talking about that in the last epidemic, uh, 1918, yeah. people had actually uh, PTSD from the separation situation. It's like, don't let that happen. Uh, let yeah. us connect on this level on the energetic level you know that you it's like when they say you can measure a butterfly's wings from the north pole at the south pole mm. and that's i think it's the same with our human mm. connectedness just to develop it and tune in tune into that Mm. It's like, you know, when you tune in, my mother is in Germany and I, I can tune in sometimes. There's something wrong. I make a phone call. Yeah. It's ex it, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, we all have that. It's nothing special. It's just how much are we tuning in? How much are we aware? And uh, using this magnificent body and our bliss body to sense, to sense each other in that way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, Modern science, they loved like they're like there are like valid, as I said, valid uh, scientific studies that show that like people can sense like when something is wrong with someone else. It's like you know like telepathy, but like they're like no, it doesn't fit with the current paradigm. It's like no, but I have this evidence. Like no, it's wrong. I'm not even going to read it. Like they they just do not even want to touch it because it would just destroy their world. Right. It, it's the same, you know, like coming back, I didn't finish that earlier, um, you know, Bruce Lipton, he's a biologist, and mm -hmm. they have proven now that only 5% of diseases are uh, genetic, and you can actually change your genetic, so your genes respond to the information yes. that it gets from your feeling, from your belief and your environment. Mm. And so this is how the, the, the proteins react from the environment. So if you change and if you, if you basically give positive thoughts, gratitude, not positive thoughts, elevated emotions and you know, have your mind, 
this is how you influence your immune system, meaning this is how you strengthen your immune system, meaning this is how you make your immune system really strong for our current situation. And yeah, I believe, mean, yeah, yeah. Not believe in fear and all of that stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like this whole genetic paradigm, which is like how we were talking about with the vital force or Nietzsche called it the will to power, whatever you want to call it. This came way before genes, right? Genes was relatively recent compared to what is that, like 17, 18 billion years of the universe. Like this is something that's like central to the universe way before genes. It's just like, and it's, it's the information, it's the will, it's the, it's the life force that, 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 that goes up through us and then that we express. Right. So yeah, I'm completely with that. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. So we're wrapping up. Um, I'm again, again, amazing. So a couple questions. This is a treat that I'll leave to my guests. Ask me one question, any question, and I'll answer it truthfully. So whatever you want, it could be a question, it could be statements. I'm forced to give a uh, truthful answer. It can't be a social security number either. I'm going to edit that out. You can't say that. So what, I mean, it could be anything. It could be silly, you know, whatever. How do you know that your love will never, never run out? Oh, my God, Bia, how dare you say that? Because his thing, like, that's what I'm afraid of. This is what I am so afraid of, that whatever this is, whatever um, is coming, rising, arising from me that I'm channeling, I'm always afraid it's going to go away. Every day I say I do a meditation. Like every, like I do five times a day. Like I do a centering practice where I'm like, I accept the worst. I accept that I'm going to die. I accept that I have a shadow. I accept that, you know, you know, horrible things are going to happen. And I accept that this, like this show, this Noetic Nomads thing, I'm not going to want to do it. I accept that it's possible. I may not no longer do it anymore. So to me, that's one of the things that I've been afraid of. And I accept that I'm still afraid, but I accept that I accept that it, it can go away. And to me, that's very important. It's just radical acceptance. And just like, I don't know if this love, it will be forever. Thing is, my physical body, it's going to go away. And this love is going to be dispersed. <laughs> it's going to be dispersed into the universe. So right. in that sense, I, that's why I don't, I don't fear death. I'm not going to say I don't fear it at all. I'm like, oh my God, if a bus is about to hit me, I'm going to move out the way. But spiritually, I'm like, I, could, I accept death. I accept all that is. But there's a part of me that I do accept that this this love, this manifesting love while I'm alive in this physical form, I accept that it may go away and that I'm okay with that because maybe in the back of my mind, I realize it's never going to go away, even if it stops in this physical form. So I, that's my, that's my answer. That's, that's what I'm holding. Your uniqueness is going to get, it's, it's just, <laughs> you, you just, your love is just growing every time I speak oh. to you. Oh so, uh, so yeah, so that's what I'm uh, seeing as your unique gift and therefore it can never go, but that, that's my, my offering to you. Awesome. I accept your gift and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, final question. 
if someone were to write your life, your life story, so when it's all said and done, what is it that you wish others would take away from it? I want to say the word that initially came, just be unstoppable. Be unstoppable. And be unstoppable. And there is a smile. There is like a joy with that. And there is like a, a real party. I, I like a party mm. energy. And, and you uh. know, it's like uh, um, where it's like, it's all... Yeah, just just be unstoppable and just uh, follow your follow your your joy. Follow what follow your dream. You know, mm. just, just even if it's hard or you know. But the, the, yeah, it's like the the unstoppableness uh, with a big smile. Awesome. So you heard it here, folks. Be unstoppable. Keep going because you know there's something beautiful on the other side of all this. Please just keep going. Okay. <laughs> Dear, thank you so much. We have made it through and we're still in one piece. You know what I mean? I'm glad yeah. I wasn't, I didn't destroy you in the process. <laughs> yeah, funny. Uh, yeah, so, it was yeah, so beautiful. Thank you so much for inviting me to this. I love it. All right. I mean, this was amazing. Seriously, even way better than I even thought. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Um, you can actually go on my uh chef site which is just chef dixon.com and um that's all there is right now i am uh, i'm kind of very much in the flow with this i love working with people i like you know these days being virtually or being into private homes and working there with women or just men um, and also one-on-one. -on -one. And I also would love to get together and just work on this, maybe even create a group, maybe with mm, you. Definitely, yeah. Um, and I'm just open, you know, to create um, community around this with people that feel kind of inspired with that and um, just see what's possible, even like what can we create? There is for me, you know, I see it as an, an ongoing process of evolution. What can we find out uh, around sexuality, around practices like that? What the next steps are? Uh, what, what does evolution want for, for us to celebrate? Yeah. Um, okay, so you're here to hear, folks, chefthiadixon.com. That's chef, T-H-E-A-D-I-X-O-N.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you could get out for her, for her amazing uh, Moroccan food or whatever, Indian, Italian, everything. Uh, tantric, again, the works, whatever you want. Get, get in contact with her. Form your own group. Change your world. Make a more beautiful place where none of us is replaceable. So that's it for another episode of Noetic Nomads. Peace out, everybody. And remember, step up because the world needs you. All right. Goodbye. All right. We are done. <laughs> there we go. Wow.